coming up on The Medicine Podcast. Conflict's really where the magic happens. Because you go deeper when you can get through conflict. Um, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, right? Mm-hmm. That kind of idea. When you get through a really difficult conflict together, it it bonds you in a way that nothing else can, not even sex, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's a deep soul level bond. And really like if you both work through something together, what's really cool about that from a soul's perspective is that you both learned the same lesson together in a human lifetime. You both grew in that same area together. And that's what, a, again, a conscious partnership brings that dynamic where everything I face in my life, she's going to face because we're one. Welcome back to the Medicine Podcast. My name is Mimi and clearly uh, I'm sitting next to my love, Chase, and we are not in our regular podcasting recording studio. What is going on, everybody? This is Chase. It's cold outside here in Austin, Texas, <laughs> but it's so warm inside of this energetic cuddle puddle that we are embarking on together for the next 90 minutes or so. We are so honored to have our besties with us, Aaron and Selena Abke. Welcome to the Medicine Podcast. Thank you for having us in our house on your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we absolutely love just hanging out with you guys, and you're some of our favorite people in the world. And this is um, this is a gift to us and our listeners because you guys have so much wisdom, and we just you know we intentionally surround ourselves with people and couples who inspire us. And you guys definitely do that. And um, you just have a beautiful relationship, and um, it, it exudes from you and we just we totally love that you guys are just a blast to be around um aaron has been on our show four five times five this is i think this might be number six for you is it no way yeah yeah i was thinking like three at most (laughs) but you're right when i think (laughs) about it yeah Yeah, i think you're i think you're officially now our most frequented guest the most podcasted yeah and it's been a year and a half so that is saying something and wasn't our first pod in like 2020 during covid and stuff Yeah. It's been a long time. Yeah, I know. It's, we, we've come very far. We have. Um, and we're still all unvaccinated. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> we're still, still here. Strong. Somehow. I think it's, I'm pretty sure it's going to stay that way. <laughs> yes. There's a good chance, yeah, yeah. I would say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we just, you know, we're excited to have this fireside. We got the Netflix fireplace on. Um, we got this conscious couple fireside chat. And uh, we have, you know, a list of questions for you guys um, just to get some some insight on your um, your relationship and how you view a relationship and and its connection to spiritual growth. Obviously, that's, you know, what you guys are all about, your your impact in the world. But I'll let you speak to your your path and your impact and everything. First, the first question here is what aspect of your relationship do you love so much that you wish every person in romantic relationship could experience? Maybe Aaron, maybe if you want to go first. Yeah, man. So many things I could say, it's kind of hard to choose, but being that I am a spiritual teacher, to me, it's just kind of innate to value the deep spiritual connection. And I really do wish that all couples could experience the rich fulfillment that it brings to really be on a spiritual growth uh, path with your partner and in uh, opposition to a lot of people's situation, which is like, I have my path, they're not into it, but it's, it works for me. Um, it's just so much easier to grow when you have somebody who wants to grow alongside you. And 
somebody who's willing to serve as a, a conscious mirror to you in a loving way um, is the greatest aid, one of the greatest aids I've ever found to spiritual growth. So we we have a blast together. We're goofy together. We're silly all day long. But like we also share this rich, deep spiritual connection that we both prioritize our growth so much. And like I genuinely want to help her grow as much as I can. And she genuinely wants to help me grow. So it's like, um, it's like almost like having two of yourself on the, on the growth journey, which yeah. is just a huge advantage. Yeah. yeah, we definitely, definitely feel that as well. What about you, Selena? What would you say? I would say you nailed it. <laughs> um, I would mirror everything back, literally every point that you said, right on, right on cue. Um, it's just so fun and playful and safe to have this like multifaceted container of all the things trust honor love security that depth and it's I just have never felt anything like it and it's just such this it's such a beautiful ongoing journey that we get to experience together and devote our lives to the same path together and it's just such a a treat (laughs) well I guess I have a bonus answer now yeah the fact that we work together and we both run 4D University together and I'm like the front-facing visionary content creator and she's the back-end support system, optimization engineer, all things back-end she does for me, which I can't do. And it just is, it's interesting because she's a female playing the masculine role in the business. I'm a male playing the female role in the business, the creator creating role. And it's just this perfect synergy for us that it feels just like destined in the stars that we were going to be together because we work so well in business together, which definitely isn't the norm right. for, for a lot of couples. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely an interesting um, thing to navigate together. You know, I've heard plenty of couples that start a business together and they realize one, two, three years in, or maybe 20 that like, oh my God, uh, this it, this can't work or we do not work well together. Right. It's a because you have to navigate that so, so intentionally, that masculine and feminine dynamic and that energetic agility, being able to take off, you know, Selena, your masculine hat for the day and sink back into Mm -hmm. your feminine because you are very feminine, Um, sink back into the feminine when you're, you know, in the evening connecting with your partner and vice versa for you, Aaron. So that, yeah, that can be a really hard thing for couples to navigate. And um, yeah, you guys do it well. Again, back to ins- inspiration for us. It's it's obviously something that we navigate as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, our roles are, well, yeah, you definitely provide more of the structure for sure. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah. that's, that's my, my background is in like the back end of businesses. And so yeah. it's sort of innate, even though sometimes I, I do want to distance myself from that. Um, but, but totally resonate with that. And, and, it's it's so fascinating because while those roles can be really productive in a business setting, sometimes they do need to be switched for a romantic dynamic or even like a friendship dynamic oftentimes, almost like that roommate energy. We were even talking about this offline a day or so ago. It can, buddy-buddy is really fun and it's goofy and it's it's relaxing and restorative, but it's not necessarily like sexually polarized or charged. And so there's almost this like, uh, scale of you've got the business relationship, you've got this romantic partnership, and you've got this buddy friendship roommate dynamic, which is kind of like the trifecta of relationship. 
which also comes with its own challenges and with with its own uh, nuances as it pertains to, all right, where are we both going to be able to step through the threshold of uh, transitioning from business to romantic or, hey, we really need restoration. We've been pushing, burning the candle at both ends. How do we have a relaxing, restorative, almost like friendship buddy uh, allotted time such that we can, you know, recuperate and, and restore our life force energy. And so you guys are such a, a an incredible embodiment of that. Like we spent a, a week this summer together, just having a blast up in Idaho and uh, watching both of you every day, mm-hmm. like doing something for your purpose, for your dream, whether that's getting on a call or making sure that, that, you know, your team is, is uh, held accountable. Um, it's, something that is so wildly underrated when it comes to uh, businesses that you run yourself or with your significant other is that like it it never stops yeah it's not a nine to five which is part of which is like <laughs> the best part but it's kind of like a 24 7 instead 100 percent. yeah and that that catalyst you mentioned has definitely been our biggest challenge in business together is that she's very feminine by nature but she's very gifted in masculine work endeavors. So she'll be working. We work like crazy. We work 10 hour days, most days and stuff. So she'll spend an entire day on a laptop doing like optimization on our platform and stuff. And then she's like, how do I just slip into my feminine now? (laughs) I'm Mm -hmm. I'm burnt out. And likewise for me, just being depleted of energy from working all day. So we've had to really prioritize like Mondays and Fridays are intimate time where we, we put the work away and we just, cultivate our romantic connection. And I think as an adult, especially in business, entrepreneurs, all of that, you've got to set aside time to play those different roles Mm -hmm. because um, it won't always happen organically. If, especially Mm -hmm. if you're in business together, you guys are working all day long every day. So you've got to make time for the important things. Yeah. 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 And some people might see that and be like, oh, wow, you're scheduling intimacy. Yes, damn it, we are because <laughs> yeah. you schedule what's important. You you create time yeah. for what's most important. And, you know, we've we've talked about this before and I think, you know, with you guys as well, but like what we've noticed, especially with our crazy love story of being divorced and then back together and then getting this chance, this opportunity to build a business together. Um, what we find, um, I'll speak for myself and Chase, you can add anything if you like, but what I have found is our relationship is like the hub of the wheel. If our life is a wheel and we have different spokes coming out, different aspects of our life that we enjoy, we know now that our relationship is the hub. Mm -hmm. And if that is firing all on all cylinders, if it's, if we feel balanced and connected and functional and, and, you know, really thriving every other thing Mm -hmm. in our life gets better when that isn't in place well, that was part one of our relationship, right? Um, and so we, you know, we are, I, I've said before, if as soon as anything outside, in, in these spokes start affecting that hub, it has to be addressed early and often because mm-hmm. we've experienced, you know, the opposite extreme and uh, we're just, um, it's not an option yeah. for us at this point. Um, but um, maybe you guys can speak to that a little bit. Like what have you maybe go into a little bit more depth there? Like if someone's listening and they they are also navigating this with their partner, how have you nav- navigated, um, you know, stepping out of the masculine role and getting into your feminine such that you can have a great connection together? Yeah, I would say like, like what we were just mentioning of not, don't expect it to just happen. 
Um, because for me personally, just being wrapped up in the passion of what I do, when my role is in 4DU, because um, that's very fulfilling in itself. And a lot of people who love their job will find find their, their selves just getting caught up in work. And then at the end of the day, if they have a partner or if they um, have an interest in a love life, it's just like not happening or there's the spark is not there or there's something missing. And then frustration comes because it's like, well, why, why not? Why? What am I missing? It's just not here. And I'm frustrated and I want this. Well, you really have to be intentional with what you want and be able to take a step back and assess okay, well, here's here's what I'm doing. Here's what I want. What's not aligning in in this, in this picture right now? And for me, having a naturally masculine point of view and work and all that, I really have to be intentional with my, my self-time, my self-love, my self-care, all of that, doing things I really enjoy that make me feel very soft and just in my body, um, and that looks really different for everybody. And then spending time with each other, um, you know, we can just talk about anything and everything. And we do from like the craziest stuff to just the the tiniest little random details and being goofy. Um, and we get so many nourishing uh, connections and moments just from that. But what we really both crave is that depth. And um you know, quality time looks like a million different things for a lot of people. And we have had to really come together and just have conversations and see what does that look like for us and what really truly fills our cup up in that, um, to the extent of what that depth looks like. And uh, everyone has their own love languages. It looks mm-hmm. different for absolutely everybody. And we're very different. We have, it's funny because like we consider ourselves the opposite ends of the spectrum and the polarity, masculine and feminine. And so it's really easy to just miss each other if we're not actively communicating. So communication's number one for sure. And being able to be open and receptive to what is my partner expressing to me and just meeting them in the heart. Um, and you can't really lose mm-hmm. yeah. if you have the same goal. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you were talking about the wheel analogy and the the hub of the wheel represents whatever's most essential to you and important to you. And that would really be like your relationship with God if you're uh, on a spiritual path. And in so many ways, a conscious partnership reflects your relationship with God in that you have to give it that center of the wheel priority and everything else has to revolve around it because if it's not there, nothing else mm-hmm. can function. So like... My spiritual practice is devotion to God. Think about God as often during the day, devote every action I can to the creator. I'm here to be of service. I'm here to love your children. And like, that's my attitude all day. And so it's very natural for me to carry my devotional, because I grew up Christian. It's all Mm -hmm. about devotion, right? To just translate that to my relationship. And she's the next closest thing if we're talking dualistically of like my relationship to God. And then right after that is my relationship to her. And really they're one to me because I can't say that I'm loving God if I'm not being good to my partner. And so I, I think in a conscious partnership as a kind of like bhakti yoga type of thing, when you really make your partner, your, your most important priority, your devotion, I think that's where all the benefits of a conscious partnership that like, 
polyamorous relationships don't have and can't have is because there isn't a devotional aspect mm. where I'm fully consecrated to this mm -hmm. person. And it's like, it's not that any of us couldn't go off and have sex with lots of people and have lots of relationships. It's that we're choosing not to and to give it all to one person as that intentional act of devotion, which cultivates tremendous spiritual growth because you have to be able to transcend and become a master of your sexual energy and your sexual desires and uh, your personality and uh, the imbalances in your personality that may come out against your partners every so often. You have to be always trying to master those things to remain in devotion yeah. to your beloved. So she's my devotion, just like God's my devotion. And with that attitude, it's just always on top of my mind of like, how can I support her? What does she need today or right now? And because of that, we cultivate a really like uh, very warm, loving energy towards each other all day long, even while we're working. We're almost never passing by one another without a loving touch or a mm -hmm. hug or we'll hold each other, kiss each other. And just those little moments all during the day are like little symbols mm -hmm. of our devotion to each other. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, we're working all day, but like you're the most important thing to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We've talked about this, uh, just everything you just said, the, the tiny details of devotion um, that we get to show our partner um, it, they may seem like very small things. You know, you walk by Selena in the kitchen and you you brush her back while she's making tea. Mm -hmm. She feels that. She feels your love and she's reminded of your love and vice versa, right, mm -hmm. from Aaron. And it's a very small act. But over the course of your relationship, over the course of years together, that very small act accumulates with those other very small acts into one gigantic, massive, intangible, well, really tangible, but immaterial. It's not one yeah. thing that you can point to and say, we do this. It's this accumulation of very small acts over the course of time mm -hmm. that, that create this massive nutrient that is available that you both feel that we both feel and i think a lot of people when those very small acts are are not present in the relationship you go years and you feel yeah. that void but you can't always speak to it you can't always say oh it's this this is what's wrong with our relationship I think maybe some people can, but I think it's almost hard to point to. But when you do experience it, it's very easy to point to. Like, yeah. yes, this is important well, to it's us. Like, it's like binge eating. And you can have fantastic sex in a relationship. You can go on great vacations. You can crush it around the holidays or have events that are the big highlights of the year. And it's why so many relationships look amazing on Instagram is because that's what's highlighted. Mm -hmm. But you will starve in between those spaces if you don't have the micronutrients like even just the physical touch or the, the moments to step into presence just in, on a random Tuesday, you know, mm -hmm. and those are just, just critically important. And I so resonate with you, Aaron, when it, when it comes to the relationship being this representation of my devotion to God. And, and I'm someone who gets caught in, in my head often. And I'll get stumped in my own attempt to rationalize God. And of course, God transcends the rational and transcends the logic. And so the, the learning for me has been not to, where my head wants to, to take it is, let me go outside of myself. Let me go outside of the domain that we've considered home in our relationship to find other meaning or definition such that I can rationalize my way through understanding God, connecting to God, and oddly enough, it's actually the opposite direction. It's coming back inside of myself, back inside of the container of the relationship 
to experience the the intangible uh, love and abundance of God, such that I can be reminded that like, oh yeah, it's actually not going to be found in my head. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I totally resonate that. And I think that's often the challenge is like, the answers are not necessarily without, uh, outside of ourselves. And, and oftentimes in relationship, it's through that, that container of leaning in instead of, uh, you know, externalizing. Yeah, man, that's a great point. It's like couples that are having issues in the relationship and conflict after conflict and the relationship is always on that rocky ground they're in like survival mode in their relationship which is like how do i just keep my head above water Mm -hmm. but um that's not paradoxically the solution to transcending survival mode is you have to get into thrival mode in your relationship and so you have to go way beyond like how do i not uh piss my partner off today or whatever like survival based thinking And into this radical of like, how do I show up today for my partner in the most abundant way? And and that that attitude itself is what curates the healing and the growth of the relationship in that it's an ever-present, omnipresent attitude I carry to where any interaction we have, there's going to be some connection I'm creating with her totally. through touch, through words or whatever. And um, that's a really hard place to get to when you're coming from barely surviving but um, you've got to be able to make that switch of like, okay, the reason this relationship is not thriving is because I'm not all in. Yeah. And where yeah. am I not all in? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and every sure. individual asking those re- reflection questions first before going to your partner, before requiring something different of your partner, right? Like instead of pointing the finger and saying, you're not giving me what I need, you're not showing right. up this way. We're always all creating our relationship mm-hmm. and each one of us has a, you know, has a contribution to that. And, um, it's so easy to see in your partner what they're not doing or, or what they're not doing perfectly or whatever. And I think we have to flip it around and, and first inquire with ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I see, see you guys doing that for sure. You guys found each other during COVID. We did. During the COVID <laughs> crisis. Um, can you explain that a little bit? Like, how was it, how was that navigating, navigating all of this together? Because that was a, that was a crazy time in the world. Can mm-hmm. you, can you share with us what that, what, what that was like? Well, our first date was her coming over to my place to make chicken tacos <laughs> because, which that's like usually your 15th date, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because uh, we couldn't go anywhere because we weren't vaxxed and all that. But it, it, it just created like a lot of time to really connect, intimately get to know each other. And like the first night she came over, we're just meeting each other. We've been talking for a long time, you know, a month or so before that. But um, meeting in person for the first time, cooking, just doing normal life stuff together, like off the bat, I think was really great. And then um, we just talked until 1 a.m. And she left feeling like, wow, I had this amazing connection with this guy tonight. And I left feeling like, wow, that was such an incredible connection. Can't wait to see her again, you know? And I'm not saying we wouldn't have had that if it was the traditional go out to dinner type of thing. But yeah, there was just something different about that being in your home environment and like not in a fancy dinner atmosphere where you're like on in date mode. Yeah. Right. It kind of like put some of those normal guards down, I think. And we just had this amazing connection from the first date. I love that. I really, I love that we didn't have to go to a secondary location and we were able to just like sit and connect and explore the connection and conversation. We had so many, we had just infinite amount of paragraphs and inches and scrolls over text. <laughs> yeah, um, we did. <laughs> before we actually met. So we had 
a lot that we could talk about and a lot of avenues that we wanted to explore together. So it was just really nice to have that space in a home and first of all do the check of like I know you're not gonna kill me <laughs> check <laughs> check um, because if you got to dinner it's you know you only have an hour and a half on your reservation before they gotta turn that table over yeah, and on yeah. to the next one I, I'm so yeah. sorry that, that even the thought of well they didn't kill me has to run through <laughs> women's minds got it it's an automatic It's it should be an automatic thought you can't I mean yeah it's in our DNA to just totally. like safety you know you text yeah. a girlfriend like okay i'm going over to this guy's house like you know i'll text you when i leave if i don't like here's and I my did. location i, yeah. I totally yeah. did and move. i knew i knew i had something really unique with aaron when all that uh, was required of my exit was a loving hug goodbye mm. not anything there is no pressure to do anything sexual which in this day of dating it's very hard to find. Mm-hmm. And um, well, we received each other and we had so many like heartfelt moments, but it was, we had this unspoken deep layer of respect for one another. Safety. Of, yeah, safety and honor of, we understand that there's something here. And with that understanding, we know that there's no rush and this is going to be here for potentially a hot minute. And we're married now. Still hot. <laughs> Still very hot. <laughs> boiling. Um, but I really appreciated that for a first day. It's it's pretty rare. Yeah. I love that. It's funny you you talked about how sort of uniquely important it was that you had this connection just in the home environment on date one. Uh, there's dating advice that, that maybe you guys have heard, especially it's for men, that on the first date, take the girl to multiple locations. Make sure you've got two or three locations lined up. And make sure that you've got props. So whether that's a cool car, you know, some people even like rent a cool car. Yeah. Um, maybe you buy them something like if it's at a carnival, you buy them something. And it's so that they are anchored by experience, the novelty of new experiences that are that are almost like repetitive, as well as having like a, an anchoring keepsake. And in the psychology, the idea is that the psychology will make it seem like you've established You've been together longer. It almost feels like three dates in one. So you've established wow. um, like a, a, a memory that will last because it seems as if you've been on three dates in one. And then you've got these sort of like emotionally tied anchors through some level of props is what they're called in like, you know, how to pick up a girl type dating advice. Mm-hmm. And so what's amazing is that there was nothing like yeah, that at yeah. play, yet you still felt this like, wow, maybe even like, oh my God, have I known this person my whole life? Mm-hmm. That type of feeling, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I, I love that you guys have that in uh, like date one. That's interesting because I can I can see or feel in that model like all of the uh, common societal thinking about dating for, for men. It's like, how fast can I get to sex? <laughs> So it's like, let's get three dates in one so that maybe by the second date, you know, she's cool with it. Exactly. So it's like already your priorities are totally off track. Mm -hmm. The the connection with the actual person and is this a person I'd want to share my life with should be the only thing on your mind for the first while that you're dating somebody because it takes a while to even find that out. Um, But of course, it's like a much more spiritually mature person who doesn't want to just have sex with anyone right away. But they're at, you're actually like, I need a genuine connection with you. I need to feel a, a polarization between our masculine and feminine. And like, you ain't getting that after one date. Mm-hmm. I don't right. care how deeply you connect. Like that takes time to cultivate. You guys, Chase is great at so many things, but one thing he is not so good at is sleep. Sorry, babe. Sadly, this is true. 
I have struggled with insomnia and late night wake-ups for my entire adult life. And I've tried just about everything for sleep, but most sleep supplements that quote unquote work might knock me out, but for the next 12 hours, I feel like a zombie. However, for the last few months, I have been trying cured nightcaps about 30 minutes before bed when I want to guarantee myself not only more sleep, but high quality sleep without being groggy when I wake up. Nightcaps are formulated with 30 milligrams of CBD and five milligrams of CBN, which is a minor cannabinoid with well-documented sleep supporting properties. Think of CBD as calming and CBN as sedating. These work together to regulate your sleep without disrupting your body's natural clock. I mean, you see it when I show you my sleep tracker higher sleep and recovery scores. Yeah, totally. I really like using the cured CBN nightcaps, especially when we travel, which is quite a bit. We're often out of our routine and in a different environment, and my sleep can easily get thrown off. But when I use cured, my whole body just feels more balanced, and I notice a tangible difference in the quality of my sleep, which makes the rest of my life and mood and health so much better. To try Cured Nutrition products for yourself, go to curednutrition.com forward slash medicine and use the code medicine, M-E-D-I-C-I-N for 20% off the nightcaps or any of the other amazing Cured products. Enjoy. Enjoy. Totally. Yeah. And like, it's so cool that, you know, your first date was in a place where, you know, there's no buffers. Right. Like there's no waiter coming in and, you know, there's no yeah. one else around to no like talk about like, right. oh, did you see that couple over there, over here or whatever? All these are buffers and it allows you to really drop in and like see the person in front of you and like, mm-hmm. um, you know, go deep with them, which um, obviously you guys are both very deep people. So I can see how that would be a nutrient that was like right off the bat, like we know we got, which is, I think, you know, a, a really good good sign for like what's to come after mm-hmm. um yeah was there anything like you know it was a very crazy time in the world mm-hmm. was there any amount of like what was that what was it like navigating all of the external noise and stuff and crisis and all of that um together being so new in a relationship i don't remember if we talked about like covid stuff world event stuff on our first date um, we definitely did connect on that pretty quickly in our dating, you know, early dating life, but, um, I was still navigating it myself. So like, it was just a great conversation piece to be like, what do you think's yeah. up with all this craziness in the world? And obviously if there had been like a huge difference in viewpoints that we, it wouldn't have worked out like it has, but we quickly like realized we're on the same page and that I think made the bond even tighter mm-hmm. because sure. at that time, everybody was living in fear mm-hmm. and panic about what's happening in the world everything's unraveling so having like solidarity with people was important for everybody yeah and that's uh, especially important with your with your partner right yeah, yeah mm-hmm. for sure it was really nice because it you know it's a needle in a haystack almost with being unvaxxed and having this radical viewpoint um <laughs> especially living in denver where yeah. everyone i knew was completely against it and even more so just like so reprimanding and mean and a a lot of I just kind of hid what my view was for a lot of the time I was working in in the corporate world and um, 
really only my boss kind of knew because I wasn't allowed to go to any corporate events and all the things I was excluded because I'm dangerous. And um, it, w- it was really nice to have not only like alignment in this topic with your partner or potential partner relationship you're exploring, um, but even as like friends, it was really mm, yeah. uh, far and few between to have that like safe space of like just talking and not and knowing that you're not going to be triggering mm-hmm. or you know attacked for having a different point of view yeah it's a lot easier to be canceled and excommunicated from things with somebody else yeah <laughs> yeah oh yeah we, it's we so true. totally totally feel that it's like well i have my best friends so i think we're good at least we're both canceled yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. well and then you get the opportunity to be like am I crazy? Was that crazy? Is this idea insane? And you've got somebody who's there with you to serve as some level of a feedback mechanism. And that's, again, a great the great thing about having a, a co-creative relationship is there's a level of safety within the relationship to be able to say, I disagree. Or mm-hmm. I'm actually going to give you some feedback right now where I may be seeing a gap or, or a deficiency or something you're overlooking. And it, it really opens up this opportunity to sort of massage ideas with each other and oftentimes we've sharpened ideas that we've brought into the relationship about something we may perceive externally or about the world or even in our own relationship to God or health or something along those lines and we bring it to the table knowing that our partner is unattached from from any outcome related to this idea mm-hmm. but is willing to sharpen it or at least like you know shine it up a little bit um, in case there may be something that I'm missing from my own blocks and my own programming yeah and oftentimes we can come to this sort of like re- relational conclusion of what might actually serve as a value for our relationship only because we brought this idea together and we're able to make something more of it than had we just you know come up with the idea on our on our own independently totally mm-hmm. it's so nice being at the opposite opposite ends of the spectrum politically speaking yeah mm-hmm. uh, because you do get those like super unique viewpoints that Mm-hmm. I would never think of because I'm not on that end of the polarity. What's going on yeah. over there? Yeah. yeah. Let yeah. me know. <laughs> yeah. Um, totally. Yeah. So I think it's so fun. I, I think um, a mistake that a lot of couples make is observing in their partner that they, that they have different viewpoints that they don't think the same as, you know, he doesn't think the same as I do. And, and seeing the way that your partner views the world as wrong yeah. because it's different than you. When if you are on opposite ends of the spectrum, masculine and feminine, of course, your partner is going to see and interact with the world from a different viewpoint. They're going to have different thoughts. They're going to have different motivations. And as soon as you can switch from making your partner wrong for thinking differently than you, but actually celebrating the difference and sort of like Chase was talking about, I know you didn't use this word, but it is like alchemy. Mm -hmm. It's like, let's take our differences, let's come together and let's make something this like third entity together. Mm -hmm. Let's create something together. Um, And uh, I think that that is a a huge stepping stone. Um, But it's not always easy because Mm -hmm. it is quite easy to think, well, this is the way that I see it. And how are they not seeing it this way? Mm -hmm. You know? Yep. Yeah. That's what I meant earlier when I said it's like uh, having two of you cloning yourself on your own spiritual growth because I'm very naturally on the masculine end of things in terms of how I approach spiritual growth, how I think about it, how I practice it. And she's very, very feminine, very, very intuitive, which is a field I'm not 
on most of the time. And so um, the analogy I think of is like, you know, being in the jungle and you are surrounded by danger. So you go back to back. You're always Mm -hmm. like, I've got this side, you've got that side. Mm -hmm. Um, She's like holding down that feminine side. I'm holding down the masculine side. So it takes definitely a lot of interpersonal growth to get to the place where you're not seeing your partner's um, very different viewpoint about life as a challenge to yours or, mm-hmm. or um, like you said, like uh, I disagree with your worldview because we see things differently. It's your view is wrong to go from that to going, Oh, now we have two perspectives we can use together. Yeah. And that's of great help to go through life with two perspectives. It's like having two of you. Mm-hmm. And like one example of that is people we meet uh, throughout, you know, what we do in the world, we meet all kinds of people in this space and not everybody's trustworthy, right? And not everybody has good intentions. And her intuition is so sharp. It blows my mind every time. She'll just like read somebody and feel them out immediately. And I'm on the mas- masculine rational end. And I tend to like um, be a little bit easily gullible with things like that and the the masks people are putting on. Cause I just want to see the best in everybody and assume <laughs> the best. Yeah. So I'm being rational in the relationship. Yeah, he's a nice guy, you know? She's like, nope. he's got bad intentions i'm like i have had to learn to trust that yeah like okay well her intuition's never been wrong yet and uh acting on that before having to wait to see the consequences of it has been a great catalyst for me because there's been times where i didn't fully listen to her intuition not that i didn't believe there was any validity but i just didn't take it as seriously as i should have and then i get um you know burnt by that friendship or something and i'm like wow she was right Dude, I, I, I totally agree with you. I, I've used this analogy before, but it's when I'm in a, my masculine position and I'm, uh, I'm I'm almost steering the relationship ship or it might be even a business related thing. Yeah. I'm steering the boat and Megan's in the crow's nest, you know, looking out totally. with significantly uh, more of a perspective on, on what's ahead, on what's around us. And I'm down there, you know, freaking spinning the wheel of this <laughs> pirate ship and just like cruising. And, you know, I can just be like, hey, babe, we may want to consider this. And I'm like, God damn it. That's the opposite direction I'm going or whatever. Yeah. But I've definitely learned to uh, know that that the sound of her intuition is so much stronger than than mine oftentimes mm-hmm. and it's that's a been a huge lesson for me having been married divorced and then come back and get this second opportunity with Megan to be like her intuition is dialed in now i will be the the one to ask is this is this fear i just want to make sure that this is not something that's coming out of fear but rather this is something truly coming from your your soul you know yeah. because we can we we can have feelings of fear or insecurity m- almost mimic intuition and mm-hmm. we we maybe make decisions on a little voice inside of ourselves that is actually from a place of insecurity scarcity fear um and I, we do a good job of being able to have those those mm-hmm. conversations yeah and i i've i've had enough um opportunities i think to be able to recognize the difference between the two where it's like, no, this is actually coming from my gut, not coming from a story that I'm telling myself, maybe out of fear Mm -hmm. mode or whatever, or imposter syndrome, something like that. But I appreciate that. And um, (laughs) it, it means a lot because honestly, like I admire you so much that knowing that you take my opinion as valuable, my intuition as valuable, and that it's not just some like feminine flyaway feeling. Um, it really means a lot to me. And it makes me like 
trust you even more. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just like a, you know, hamster wheel of <laughs> trust and love of each other. Um, and again, I think it comes back to that foundation that you build when it is centered around growth spiritual growth and you want your partner to win you want your partner to succeed you know we just did an episode not too long ago about you know ways that healthy couples thrive and one of them that i don't think is talked about enough is you truly want to see your partner win win externally yes in promotions and doing well in business and this and that but even within the relationship you're not trying to find all the ways that they're wrong you're not trying to find all the ways that they're not doing something just the way you want it done but you want them to feel like a king or a queen inside the container of the relationship and i feel that so strongly in part two versus part one where, uh, you know, you're just, I was just more unconscious and I wasn't using our relationship for spiritual growth. Mm-hmm. So this is a useful segue because we, we've talked about it a little bit, but I would love to dive in a little bit deeper with you guys, like this intersection of romantic relationship and spiritual growth. Like, what has your experience been and can you speak to any maybe specific examples that have come up in your relationship? Well, I think this goes back again to the, like the devotional aspect of conscious partnership in that uh, you have to have that third entity that is created, which is the relationship. It's like a third entity that when we come together, we create that with one another because masculine and feminine always create together. And so when we both are devoted to that third entity of our relationship itself is almost like the God we're serving. Um, We're holding each other in that same highest regard at all times. So like when it comes to uh, the way we navigate a romantic relationship as um, people who are really striving above all to grow spiritually together is that, um, you know, you just have to take out all of the specialness and the attachments uh, on the romantic side of things. And that was, um, has always been a hard catalyst for me in that I always used to outsource all my worth and value is dependent upon mm. the fact that I have this girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, so the clinginess and all that. So we, we really try to cultivate a relationship where there's like no expectations at all because expectation is really like the obstacle to intimacy. If I have all these expectations of how you should behave and I want you to do these things and not do those things. Um, that's not love, first of all, right? So it's not intimate. I want you to be exactly who you are and I'll make space for who you are because if I'm with you, I want to be with who you are. Mm -hmm. And now there's an obvious natural alchemy that happens between you two in a relationship between the two people where they do become more like each other and you're going to emerge more and more. And we're so blessed that we're like literally on the same page and passionate about all the same things. We're both super passionate beyond just spirituality about like holistic health. Mm -hmm. We both are absolutely like against eating anything that's not organic and biohacking. Like we love that. We do that together. We share that. Um, We love the same music. We have, we love the same comedy. We love the same movies, shows. So it really makes it a lot easier when you actually like all the same things your partner likes. But even if we didn't, like I would try to make space for what she likes to show her that I love her and I'm devoted to to her and not just to make her suit my needs. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I want you to like what I like, babe. Why don't we want to watch one of my shows type right. of thing? <laughs> right. And that's seems small, but like that pettiness is what destroys so many relationships, I think. And going back to the, um, the whole thing of like men, not giving true credit to their partners, their female partners intuition. 
that's also a source of um, many divorces, many breakups in that uh, the unhealed masculine, one of the first ways it shows up is this discounting of the feminine, right? Where like, oh, you're just so emotional all the time. You're just always in your feelings and like dismissing the woman's intuition and not just not prioritizing how important it is to make a woman feel seen and felt in her emotions. Right. Mm-hmm. And so they create this unsafe, destructive atmosphere for their partner. And then no wonder she'll end up leaving or something. So on the masculine end, that's how the, the toxic masculine shows up on the feminine end. And she can speak way better to this than I can, but it's that classic, like not respecting the man enough or, or actively disrespecting him in little ways around friends and stuff that will make the masculine distance themselves. So like we just try to stay super aware of those things because it's easy to get stuck in your bubble. Mm-hmm. And like, I want to always think like a masculine man thinks it's natural for me. Right. But if I'm devoted to my partner, I have to make myself every day think like a feminine woman would think so I can meet her there totally. and vice versa. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll add it's, one thing that has just been so wonderful for our relationship is, as we mentioned before, our devotion to God and our own growth and our own spiritual journey and just, you know, not being obsessive, but in a in a way being focused very much so on what's coming up. And it's really easy to get caught up in the 3D, in uh, you, me, my, I, mine. And this label means that, and that's what I identify with it. And all these things that make everything boring, but also that it can cause a lot of friction because the magic is gone. Mm -hmm. The mystery is gone. And when, you know, for example, our busy work life, um, when we get so busy and cut up and we lose, um, if we lose focus on our relationship, then the mind can start going and start blaming of like, oh, I'm. I'm unfulfilled because it must be because you're not paying attention to me or you're doing Mm -hmm. this and all my suffering is obviously outside of myself and you're the closest one here. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) faults on you. I'm unhappy because I'm not getting this from you. Mm -hmm. Right. Versus how can I give her what I think I need from her? Yeah. That's the key is like, you got to be giving the things you want to receive. Um, the, the bank account analogy we've all heard. It's like, you're both two bank accounts. Right. If I'm always depositing in her account, her account's always full. And that only works if she's also always depositing in my bank account. But as long as we're both depositing, we got full accounts. Right. The second we start withdrawing and not depositing, we're going to run out at some point. And those are ways to just keep depositing. For know? sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that analogy. And it, it makes a ton of sense. I, I've, I've often, you know, for instance, Megan has this just incredible ability to tap into furry little amazing creatures like your beautiful dogs. <laughs> and uh, we'll be on a walk in, in Coronado and she'll stop. I won't even pick this up. She'll stop and have identified like a cat or a dog <laughs> and we'll stop and she'll be petting it. I'll ask myself, she thinks, she thinks I'm annoyed by it, which I'm really not. Um, I just don't pick up on it. It's like outside of my, my tunnel vision. Totally. Yeah. Um, but I'll ask myself sometimes, Wow where would our world be? Where would our culture be if the feminine ability to empathize and stop whatever productivity was, you know, efficiency obsessed uh, way of living to just pause, have empathy and appreciate this little love ball of, of fur. And I'm like, damn, if we would have had like an, in, an injection of feminine empathy in big decisions that our culture has made for, you know, millennia, 
like where would we yeah. be? I think we'd be a lot <laughs> less obsessed with outcome and accomplishment and possession. Mm-hmm. And it'd be, we would have a lot less, uh, less for you means more for me. Yeah. Yeah. The, there's a, an example, a story that Paul check has told before, and it's, it's just perfectly piggybacks on what you're saying. You know, he paints this picture of a kingdom and the King of course is, is there and he's, you know, dealing with the matters of his kingdom and, and, um, he's got his queen next to him. Um, and someone, his guards bring in a thief that they caught and they're bringing him, bringing the thief to the King to sentence him, you know, in some way. And his queen is around the people, hearing the people of the kingdom more so than the, than the King. Mm -hmm. She knows the, the gossip, right? The gossip didn't have a negative connotation. It was the news, what was going around, what was circling in the kingdom. She knows that there's been a famine and he has, six children and he was stealing to literally feed his children and she is able to influence him. And instead of chopping off his hand, she says, you know, Hey, you actually have room. There's a, there's a position opened up in the stables. Why don't you give him a job instead of cutting off his hand and you're, you're alchemizing this situation. But the, the, the combination of the King that values her opinion and the, the queen that is, you know, uh, applying that empathy, it's just a a perfect um, combination. Uh, And, you know, we, we get to do that in our, in our daily life. You know, we don't, we don't have to be Kings and Queens literally, but we can value each other's positions in that way to, you know, create, literally create a more beautiful world, which, Mm I know you guys are feeling this as well. Um, there's just a lot of chaos in the world mm-hmm. right now. seems like every, every week there's something new. Mm-hmm. And we were just listening to, you know, a YouTube uh, video last night in the car with you guys about, you know, these different things that could or could not happen that are these potential timelines that can be really scary. Um, how do you guys navigate the, the chaos, how do you see this and how do you navigate it together when the external world feels really scary? Mm-hmm. Well, it's another area we've been really blessed in is that neither one of us by our nature are worry warts and uh, we've really not gotten drawn up in the fear narratives at all since the pandemic. And that's not to say we don't con- concern ourselves with the future of the world Um, It's just like we're really focused on being present in our life together and what is God building in our life right now. And then from there, just living with radical trust in the divine plan, in the divine will that everything's happening according to perfection. And although our eyes can't see it from this level, uh, God's in the crow's nest and God's already orchestrating everything the way it needs to play out. So we just kind of live in that place and we don't really stress at all about what goes on in the world. But a big part of what we do in Forty University, our whole mission really is to help this planet ascend um, to the next level of consciousness. And so while we're deeply concerned in the best way for humanity's well-being, it just doesn't play a factor in our relationship, in our daily lives. Um, Fear is not something that we share at all in our relationship. Yeah. Mm. And just having that knowing of, you know, all labels and ideas aside of like, let's not worry about what I'm going to do, but just trust that I already knew that I would meet these challenges before signing up for this body. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to trust what plan 
my soul has and not worry about what my mind thinks that I should prepare for or consider. Although, you know, we were intentional with every moment and day. And whenever we think about or listen to those videos or, you know, what what may or may not be to come, we can consider our imagination of what we could potentially do. But the most important thing for us has always been now. And there's so much peace in Mm -hmm. the now. Um, And some people may or may not agree with that of like, no, you need to be a prepper. Where's your bunker? Where's your food stash? (laughs) Like what's going on? Um, But yeah, that that has brought us a lot of peace. I'm so grateful for both of you. Um, As you step into that space of of confidence and stability, um, because truly I, I, I leverage that contagious energy for my own ability to face the fear that wants to come up in me as yeah. it pertains to the world. Um, my, my default is to always find out as much information as humanly possible to, you know, turn the light on in the scary closet, but that doesn't necessarily means it comes without you know, being afraid in that process. And so there are times where I'm like, Jesus, I am, I am actually shook in this moment. And, uh, it's not that I, my, my default is to usually like jump into the deep end and produce, but that doesn't necessarily mean I do it without anxiety. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm so grateful for having both of you as friends in my life because I am inspired and pick up on the contagiousness of courage that you both have. And so I nice. am uh, just so grateful for you both. One thing I'd love to, to talk to you guys about would be, you know, we've talked to, about some of these intersections of spirituality and, and relationship, but surely anybody who's been in a relationship, even if it's dating, will have identified programming or patterns that they may not have been familiar with until they stepped into the domain of relationship. And and whether that's your parents, quite literally, just the two most probably important uh, people that you witnessed showing up in a relationship, or even if it's like the religious community that you come from, knowing, you know, Aaron, you, you grew up in Christianity, um, or even just the, the neighborhood that you're a part of. What have you both learned about your programming for relationships through the lens of your current marriage? And how have you either highlighted uh, attributes that you would like to keep and or adjusted those that you would like to evolve out of? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, like I'm blessed to have great parents who truly love each other and exemplified that my whole life growing up. And that's just the greatest blessing, man, that I could have been given. I always saw a very healthy loving relationship modeled by my parents. And so from the time I was a little boy, all I wanted was to have uh, a relationship like theirs one day and find my uh, perfect wife like my dad did and stuff. So there's a bit of the uh, disillusionment with the find your one special person that God meant for you to be here with. You know, that was my absolute ideology Mm -hmm. for most of my life until, you know, mid twenties. So like, I guess the main difference would be that my attitude in how I show up in this relationship is not, okay, we signed a contract before God, we've made this promise, so we can't divorce, we have to stay together, so let's, we've got to make this work. And that's most Christian marriages. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it's I'm here because I choose to be here and I want to be here today, here now. And I'm here because I know and feel that she wants to be here. And if at any moment she showed up and said, I don't want to be in this relationship anymore, I would love her enough to say, I honor that. I never would want to keep you in a relationship you don't want to be in. And because we don't have that subconscious tie of like, well, we have to be together. (laughs) 
then it, it actually catalyzes the relationship to be much more authentic yeah. because we're not here because we have to. We're here because mm. we want to be here. Yeah. 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 Snaps for that, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. It uh, Polarity-wise to Aaron's childhood, I had very much so the opposite representation yeah. of of love, just very chaotic relationships and marriages um, or the absent completely no relationship. Um, my dad was single for all my childhood basically mm. and devoted to his work. Um, so I just witnessed like them just, just pure chaos all the time. And I never knew what love was, it, what adults look like in love. What is love? I don't even know if that was even talked about or shared in my childhood. So um, I've always felt it when I looked at animals, so I knew it existed, that fuzzy feeling. Um, but it's been just so fun to explore and create our own kind of love and not have to um, see an archetype or a model and be like, oh yeah, that's it. Let's be that. Let's copy let's, that. Let's yeah. try to squeeze yeah, into that yeah. box, although it looks a little snug, like, yeah. bye. <laughs> and it's just been really fun to create something with no bounds, no limits, and just infinite love and possibilities and potential and just be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's official. <laughs> I am on the She Legit train, y'all. If you haven't heard of it, She Legit is an ancient superfood harnessed for its tangible impact on strength, vitality, and energy. It contains an abundance of trace minerals, antioxidants, organic acids, and nutrient transporting compounds. It is a total badass supplement, you guys. But anyone who has taken Shilajit before knows that it tastes like tar. (laughs) Well, finally, the formulation geniuses at Organifi have somehow found a way to make it tasty in their new Shilajit gummies. Since taking these gummies, it's enhanced my stamina for workouts and really gives me better energy throughout my entire day. I genuinely love these gummies, and so does everyone else. Organifi can hardly keep them stocked. To support your mitochondria, eliminate heavy metals, and fuel your body with critical trace minerals, go to Organifi.com and use the discount code MIMIFIT, that's M-I-M-I-F-I-T, for a hefty 20% off your SheLegit gummies or any other Organifi products. Enjoy! Yeah, I love that. I, I absolutely resonate with both of what you what you said. I, I grew up, you know, very similar, blended home. Um, my my mom was married multiple times, and my dad was married multiple times, and you know, really really rough step parenting situation. Um, and you don't know it when you're a kid. It's just your reality, right? Like you don't. You, you don't know that you're going to come away and, and, and be like, all right, that's what I should not do. Right. <laughs> um, it's all still learning. Right. Um, but then we get the opportunity when we are in relationship to, to, you know, we, we, we tried out those roles. We tried out what we saw, uh, and it mm. didn't work for us. Um, in Me part neither. one. <laughs> yeah. What a coincidence. Yeah. 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 And, um, you know, we, I think anyone who has had a part one of any kind, you get that part too and you're like it, you take on more of the 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 perspective that you shared Aaron um 
where, you know, if Chase came to me tomorrow and said, I don't feel like this relationship is aligned anymore um, or vice versa, both both of us, I know it's like, I'm not going to pretend and say that that wouldn't crush me. Mm-hmm. Right. But there's no way that I could in good faith or, or I couldn't, I, I there's no way that I could like threaten him or make him do anything. Yeah. And I, I want, I truly want him to be in this relationship because he wants to be here. And I know he has the, the same feeling. Like I, I'm not going to pretend though that like, that would be an easy conversation. Of course you not. know, we hear these things like, yes, I love you enough to let you go. Would I cry myself to sleep for a year? Probably, <laughs> you know, because my soul, it, it feels like my soul is in another body. And I, I, I recognize that. Mm. I see it. He, he is me. So it would be a death, of yeah. course. Um, but ultimately, like both of us, And it's the reason why we've taken this long to even talk about, you know, we've been together four plus years in this part two. It's why we've taken this long to even talk about getting remarried because what we have here, the choosing, the the non-legality, just the showing up every day and choosing each other Mm -hmm. feels so good. It feels so nourishing, honestly. Yeah, and, and, you know, circling back to the intersection between spirituality and, and conscious relationship, it's the importance in what we have now, which is this honor for free will. And, um, that was such a, as I was, you know, learning law of one and honestly watching so much of your content, Aaron, like four or five years ago, I was like having all these just, you know, light bulb moments of like, of course it's a spiritual disconnection in the relationship that caused the issue. Because had there been this respect and honor for free will, we could have galvanized a lot of these issues or been able to have the tools in our tool belt to work through them with precision cutting language yeah. that we were using blunt instruments to try to describe those those issues when we were married. And free will and consent is a huge piece because when there is the polarity of, well, they may not show up tomorrow. And I may not show up tomorrow, but we're going to choose to go all in. And then when that other person matches you all in, there's no sort of like one foot out just in case they might hurt me. Wow. Is it profound? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's beautifully transcendent. It just comes with the risk Mm -hmm. and like not being contractually bound or, or at least thinking that you're contractually bound is like oddly enough, the sweetest spot in relationship. Yeah. I, I talk about it all the time where it's like jumping into the ocean without a life jacket. You could drown, but if you wear a life jacket, you'll never experience the full oceanic waters of what relationship looks like. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that you get in the water and you learn how to work with the waves and you learn how to surf them regardless of whether they're they're high or low or the water's rough or it's calm that you've been familiarizing yourself with unfloatable water devices that you're essentially just like building a relationship with the ups and downs of what, um, you know, human partnership looks like. Um, And so we, we, we definitely use that often, but I I can't help but think like, had we not, or do, should we not continue to interject this free will or consent into the daily decisions of being in relationship? it would be almost impossible not to get that little level, uh, little layer of bitterness in 
as as time goes on knowing yeah. that like are they just here because they're contractually mm-hmm. bound to me yeah yeah and, and that is much more commonplace for sure in like christian marriages at yeah. least in my life experience mm-hmm. is that there's this bitterness that builds the couple doesn't even get along hardly but they're just we've made this contract yeah before god and i think my parents have some of that for sure but like they've been able to transcend that challenge of a Christian marriage and whether they've verbally acknowledged this or not, I don't think they maybe they have, but like it's an un subconscious thing between them of, yeah, but I really am here cause I choose you. Yeah. And they feel that from each other. And so it, it cultivates the intimate relationship they're able to have to your point, Megan, about like, if Chase did come to you tomorrow and say, I don't want to be with you anymore, it'd be crushing. Of course it would, but karmically speaking, like you, you're not a match to that experience because you've cultivated such a genuine free will honoring relationship that, um, why would Chase ever feel he doesn't want to be with you? Right. (laughs) You're giving him everything a man could want in a relationship. And likewise here, it's like, it's because we expect nothing of each other. I'm not here to get from you. I don't need anything from you. I'm here because I love you and you add value to my life and I want to share my life with you. And we both feel that from each other, that you're able to go to a, a way deeper level of intimacy that goes back to your life jacket analogy. Yeah. The the Christian marriage contract is like the life vest of, yeah. okay, we're protected from divorce because we signed yeah. this contract, Yeah. but you can't go deep. right? Mm-hmm. And so to go deep is I'm not here because I signed a contract, a marriage license. I'm here because I want to go deep into the mm-hmm. ocean of who you are yep. and you got to, that's how you learn to swim. Right. Sure. So because you guys know how to swim in yeah. your relationship, you're not a match to him being like, I'm drowning here. Get me out. I can't do this yeah, anymore. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It would be completely like <laughs> he would have to com- completely change as a, as a human for that to even be, you know, right. a, a real life example like that. It, it, it that, that, doesn't really exist in my consciousness. It's it's not something that I'm actually afraid of. Right. Yeah. Like it's it's just not. It's not something I think about um, because we put so much intention and consciousness towards the health of our, the robustness, the vitality mm-hmm. of our relationship. Um, and and Chase has said this before, um, where you know, yes, it would hurt, of course, but it's like I know that I can love you better than anyone else in the world, anyone else on the planet. Like I know that my, I know that I can do that better than anyone. So if, if you want to go experience anything else, it's like, you go come not, right back. Yeah. It's not going to be as good. I can tell you that no one knows how to touch you like I do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I think that, you know, getting, getting, getting real. And we've talked about this before on the podcast, like, no matter how perfect your partner is for you, no matter how, you know, in sync you are, um, there's still conflict that arises. There's still charged conversations that arise. There's still disagreements that pop up from time to time. Um, I would love to hear your guys's maybe strategy for conflict resolution and how you navigate conflict in general. Yeah, this is like the most important area of discussion in terms of fostering a conscious partnership is you got to know how to handle conflict because um, if a partnership's worth anything, it's going to be one that uh, mirrors your ego back to you, you know, and shows you your own pride and lack of 
patience and this and that. So you got to be willing to radically show up in those moments. And obviously it's easy to shrink back when you feel challenged or, or wronged or upset. And so like for us, you know, we always agree upon uh, communication as being like hyper important that again, because she's on this feminine side of the spectrum, I'm on this masculine side of the spectrum. Um, you know, early in the relationship, we would run into trouble a lot in terms of I'm expecting that she knows what I'm thinking and feeling. She's expecting that I know what she's thinking and feeling. So we don't really communicate on that level enough. And then there's like an expectation that didn't get met and we feel hurt or wronged or whatever. And then we have to talk about it. And in those, having those conversations, it always comes back to, um, what can I do? Not, let me tell you what to do. What can I do? I didn't communicate enough. I could have communicated better to you, clearer to you, more times to you. Um, it's, it's really like the same strategy we employ in our business <laughs> is like, if one of our uh, employees isn't performing how we want, we take it as, okay, we didn't communicate enough. We didn't communicate good enough. Mm. We could have said that better. They need to hear it a different way. And we don't take it out on the employee. We take it upon ourselves to do better. And um, obviously, if, you were, if you're dating somebody and you're, you're using this rule of thumb of, okay, if they're not meeting me where I'm at, I must not be communicating well enough. Yes, there's going to be instances where if you're a woman, you might be dating a super unconscious guy. He's just not at the place where he can do that for right. you. Yeah. But if you're with someone who is also on a conscious spiritual path in it for the same reasons you are, you're always going to have that. We both want to meet each other. We never want to be disconnected on something. And it's just that mutual wanting, again, that third entity, you know, worshiping mm -hmm. that third entity together and devoting to it is that uh, we're always willing to uh, admit when I could have done this better, I could have done that better. And like taking responsibility for what we can do better is the, the first and the most important way to lean into conflict for us is like never start a conflict being like, here's what you did wrong. Let me tell you, <laughs> mm -hmm. do this better for me. Instead, lead with, here's what I didn't do well. Here's what I can right. do well. Right. Here's what I'm committing to do better for you. Mm -hmm. And that just shows love. I care about you. I care about the way I inadvertently made you feel. And uh, then she, now that she feels seen, she can reflect the same back to me. Right. The, the opposite of rapport building in a relationship is to come in hot with all of the things that the other person's <laughs> doing wrong. <laughs> totally. It's like, well, I'm going to throw all consciousness out the window here yep. and you're going to get the worst version of me now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What always has worked well with us is like when, when you notice that you're doing this. Yeah. Oh, okay. I see that. It's actually, there's something here for me. Pointing the finger for the people who are listening. She's pointing her finger. Oh, at yeah. Me. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's all good. Tune in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, different tune in. So what's worked well for us is, you know, when we notice we're going, we're doing something and um, maybe, maybe I say a comment and it, it got misunderstood or vice versa, we miss each other and maybe someone got offended or, you know, throughout the workday where um, stress might be high or what have you. And we notice we're finding ourselves uh, meandering into a conversation that's turning into like maybe argumentative undertones and we're we're venturing into this area that, oh, we didn't want to be here, mm -hmm. but we're here now. And, oh, it looks like there's something important here that we really should be talking about with more intention and care. Let's just put a pin in this right now when we, you know, we're multitasking. This isn't this. We don't want to honor it, honor it in this way. Mm -hmm. We want to be very intentional with um, each other's feelings and 
any conflict that comes up in a relationship. So we put a pin in it and, you know, it's, if it's in the workday, we'll say, let's come back to this at six o'clock tonight, whenever we have um, our work wrapped up and we find ourselves on the couch or in some quiet place where we can just focus our attention on one another, look, look into each other's eyes, open each other's hearts. Now, now our emotions are settled and we're very present with one another and we have no intention on being right. We just want to express and we're very mindful of not to make any accusatory statements of you did this and it made me feel this when you didn't make me feel anyway. Mm-hmm. So I just want to let you know I'm feeling this way and I want to figure out how we can support or how we can support each other moving through this conflict or what have you. Um, so we've learned through a lot of trial and error that this works really well for us. No one feels attacked and we are leading with ownership of, I know this is all coming from me and whatever comes out of me is a mirror for what needs or what's asking to be released within myself. And lucky you to be my partner. You're the one that's going to support me through this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's the, um, not blaming our feelings on each other. Mm -hmm. Um, no behavior control, AKA don't do this ever again. Don't say that to me ever again. Mm. Uh, that's dealing on the level of effect, not the level of cause. Mm. It's, it's not a solution to a relationship problem. If they said or did something that triggered you or whatever, to be like, don't ever do that again because the cause is in you, not them. And so you've got to be willing to welcome that trigger again, if, and when they do that thing or say that thing that triggers you. Uh, to use that as your mirror. And so I don't want to control your behavior for me because I want you to trigger me. If you're going to trigger me, I want to see that part of me, but also because that's not loving to control someone's behavior. That's not fostering the free space in the relationship to be who you are. Mm -hmm. Instead, all I can do and all she can do is voice how we feel to one another and trust and know that if you love me the way I believe you do, you're going to really care how I feel. Mm-hmm. And if if you said or did something that uh, hurt my feelings, you're going to just naturally not want to do it again. So I don't need to control your behavior. Mm-hmm. I don't need to tell you what to do yeah. or not to do because if you're in this like I'm in this, you already want to do that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's that trust we both have that we really both are so committed to our relationship above all else that all we need to do is just be in our hearts as we're sitting on the couch and just express how we feel um, why I had that perspective today, why you had that perspective today. And we just hear each other. And then it's like, that's really all we need to talk about and, and accepting what one another's position is. Mm-hmm. And that's where more so men than women, I think really get off track is they just like have no ability to really be in their heart in those conversations. Cause they're too busy up here rationalizing and trying to articulate their perspective to show that I'm right. And women tend to be more in the heart than men. So for me as a man, and this is like all what I teach about. So thankfully it's what I teach has been a huge benefit to my relationship and my relationship has been a huge benefit to what I teach because I get to learn and practice these things in real time all the time with her of, can I be in my heart right now? And what I found is that if I'm ever able to be in my heart, nothing can go wrong. Mm. It's truly that simple. You cannot miss each other if you're both in the heart. And needing to be right, needing to blame your feelings on someone else, telling them what to not do. None of that's from the heart. That's all from the head, mm-hmm, right? Yeah. And so it's ultimately not going to be helpful to your relationship. Totally. Yeah. Guy, yeah. Guys can do themselves a huge favor 
if they can remind themselves stepping into charged conversation, even if I'm having trouble with the logic or the rationale, what I can do is do my best to try to understand and experience the emotions of my female partner mm -hmm. and validate those emotions, even verbally. I'm working on understanding the logic and rationale of where you're coming from. But what I can tell is that your emotions are real and authentic and felt you. Those are valid for you. Those are valid. And I'm, I'm taking that as really important information. And for women, it's, it's stepping into a space going, I understand that logically or rationally, this may not seem left to right, top to bottom for you. But I'm going to do my best to try to articulate it in a way that your nervous system can uh, consume this and understand it. And if there's that level of compromise, man, it's a lot easier to get through something charged. Yeah. And I think, you know, highlighting something that you said, Selena, um, I think the putting a pin in it, especially when like in both of our situations, you guys work from home together all day long. We work from home together all day long running businesses. And, you know, if something happens where we're both in like alpha, alpha mode, masculine, masculine mode, it's really yeah. easy to be like, wait, what? You didn't, you didn't send the email to so-and-so like I thought you did that or whatever. And we're yelling from rooms. Like yep. he's in yep. the kitchen, I'm in the office and we're, it's so easy to be alpha, alpha putting a pin in it. Or even in that moment, like changing, literally changing your body orientation, right? Where I might be like, this is not productive. I need to go out or Chase might come in the office where I need to look in my partner's eyes. We need to see our own, you know, humanity and yeah. sit down, open our bodies. You know, it's not cross armed and like all scrunch faced. It's like, I'm here. I'm open. Let's talk. Mm -hmm. Let's, you know, figure this out together. I'm looking in your eyeballs, which is so critically important for empathy, compassion and real true intimacy. Mm -hmm. This is how conflict actually becomes a catalyst for your personal growth. It's not, it, spiritual growth is not the absence <laughs> of these conflicts or these arguments or whatever, right? It's, it's not like we're looking for a relationship that doesn't have any of that. That's what we actually use to grow. But you have to have these fundamentals of respect, love, empathy, and really above all else, like wanting to wanting to come to a solution together mm -hmm. and move forward together. So really like there's so many opportunities for growth in relationship and it comes from these catalysts. It comes from the conflict. The conflict is not the problem. It's how you handle the conflict mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. makes or breaks your relationship. Yeah. Conflict's really where the magic happens because you go deeper when you can get through conflict um, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, right? Mm -hmm. That kind of idea. When you get through a really difficult conflict together, it it bonds you in a way that nothing else can, not even sex, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's a deep soul level bond. And really like if you both work through something together, what's really cool about that from a soul's perspective is that you both learned the same lesson together in a human lifetime. You both grew in that same area together. And that's what, a, again, a conscious partnership brings that dynamic where everything I face in my life, she's going to face because we're one, mm. you know, like she, her soul's in my body, my soul's in her body type of thing. Anything she faces in life, I'm going to face. I'm not going to ever let her go through something that I'm not going to go through 
to the extent that I can, right? Like I can't have birth with her or something, <laughs> but like, you better believe I'm going to be there yeah. as if I am yeah. to show her that support. And as you, as you grow together through conflict, you especially learn one another's like the signs that someone's nervous system's overloaded mm-hmm. or yeah. burnt out or stressed out. And I can just feel her in a room and know where she's at. And I'm not thinking about it consciously. I just intuitively go over and give her some love, some physical touch and sweet words because I'm like decompressing her nervous system for her. Yeah. And that's what the that's what the power of love does is that love is true intelligence because it, it's the binding force, right? It connects everything. So it's intuitively aware of everything. And that doesn't show up on our conscious level. I never would think I'm rubbing her back because I'm trying to decompress her nervous system from stress overload. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, I feel what she's yeah. feeling. Yeah. And I want to show up for her in that way. And then she'll do the same for me. So we only have that level of intimacy because we've gotten through conflicts together. We've worked through real serious life challenges together, loss and things like that. And um, just like it works at the individual level, the pain that you go through makes you stronger. The, the tough life lessons you've learned make you wiser. It applies almost doubly in a relationship in that way because it's like two beings leveling up at the same time and you have that third being that you're both becoming, mm-hmm. always ascending more and more as you're willing to just show up yeah. for mm-hmm. each and every day. Yeah. Oh, nailed it. Nailing it. <laughs> um, <laughs> you guys have an incredible community, uh, the 4DU community, and uh, you, you work with thousands of people. And um, would be curious to hear, I assume some of these questions, comments, areas of interest have to do with human beings and their romantic relationships. And a lot of these apply to just even intimate relationships at large, whether that be friends or family. But what do you guys see as the common maybe themes or questions that come up uh, for, for you know your community members as it pertains to relationships? Adding to that, can you just give a quick you know 30-second um, explanation of what 4DU is yeah, so yeah. that people understand what you're talking about. Yeah. Quick synopsis of 4DU would be um, 4D stands for fourth density, which correlates to the fourth chakra. So the fourth density of consciousness is the heart chakra density of the awareness of love and unity. And so the the premise is that humanity right now, we're coming out of the ego chakra, the third third density consciousness of the solar plexus where ego rules the day and separation and all of that. And humanity is trying to make this ascension into the heart to where we can all live as a truly unified species. And um, that's what 4 is all about is teaching at the individual level through like a seven month curriculum we have and live calls every week, uh, teaching the individual how to make that journey themselves so that the more of us individually who are really moving our consciousness into the heart and living from the heart permanently, we're raising the frequency of the planet. We're moving humanity closer to our, our future destiny as an enlightened civilization. So we take it like really seriously. It's our heart's passion and everything we teach is really centered around how to get into the heart. What is fourth density consciousness? I also call it heart-based consciousness. What is it like to be in a relationship from heart-based consciousness, not ego consciousness? And ego consciousness is all about possessiveness, specialness. I'm with you because you're the most beautiful person, the most famous person. You make me look good. That's ego consciousness. And it's just impossible to sustain a long-term relationship there. But heart-based consciousness is so counterintuitive to that kind of relationship because it's all the things we've been talking about on this pod. It's like, I'm not with you because you make me feel special. I'm not here to make you fulfill my needs and I'm not going to try to keep you here whether you like it or not. 
I'm going to fully honor you in every way possible because love is unconditional. So try being in a relationship with no conditions. That sounds terrifying <laughs> to most people, right? <laughs> conditions are what make me safe. Right. Yes, conditions make you safe when you're not living in the heart yet. Yeah. The ego needs that protection. When I'm living from the heart, I become defenseless. I truly want nothing from you. So I'm here to give everything to you. And that's the, my ability to now just deposit in her bank account. So like, because we teach these things, um, we get a lot of questions from people who are like, uh, contemplating divorce in a, a abusive relationship. And most notably we get questions from people who are, you know, I'm on this spiritual path. I've been in 40U for two years and it's changed my life. This is all I care about. I can't wait to get up and meditate in the morning. I can't wait to watch the next lesson and all this stuff. But my husband thinks it's all bullshit. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, why are you watching these stupid videos? Ah, oh, you're letting this scammer guy keep taking your money and these kind of things. And so they, they might say, you know, we have a decent relationship. We've been together 25 years. We have three kids, but I'm not fulfilled. I have nobody to grow with. We're worlds apart, spiritually speaking. And I think when you get to a certain level of how important your spiritual path is for you, it's next to impossible to truly feel feel fulfilled mm -hmm. in a relationship where your partner's totally not interested in that. Um, because I think our soul also knows mm -hmm. how much more we can grow with yeah. a, someone by our side. Yeah. So true. So we have to give this, these really tough, you know, pieces of advice of like, well, um, I wouldn't tell you that it's not okay in this situation to think about moving on in your life. Um, I usually give people like, kind of like, here's your three main options. You know, mm -hmm. you can stay with this person and use the fact that they're not interested in spirituality as a catalyst for yourself to say, okay, they're going to trigger me a lot because they don't like what I'm into. And that's going to force me to really evolve through that. Um, but that's like the toughest of the three options, mm -hmm. right? To stay in a relationship that's not super aligned. The next option is um, heal whatever needs to be healed between you and this person and your relationship such that you leave without absolutely any grievances. You feel true, genuine love for them. And it's just like time to move on. Thank you for the time. Thank you for the life experiences. Mm -hmm. And you go your way with blessings. Yeah. I'll go my way. Now that's hard, hard point to reach, but I would, uh, I would recommend people. And I often recommend people in our community who are in that position. I'm like me personally, the best thing I, I would do in that situation is I'm going to I'm going to close this chapter of my life because I need to follow my inner guidance that this doesn't feel aligned, but let me not be in such a rush to do it that I don't close all the loops I yeah, can close first because then I can leave with real peace in my heart, mm -hmm. real closure, and then I'm truly a match and I'm ready for what's next. Mm -hmm. Or the third option is if you're in a relationship where you just can't keep your head above water, whether it's an abusive relationship or whether you just are in always this constant conflict with your partner, you're just not meeting each other you can totally leave. You can just drop out. That's always an option and that's never like wrong to do. Yeah. Uh, but those really are the only three options. And so you've got to ask yourself the question of like, what's the most important thing in my life? Is it my spiritual growth or is it finding happiness in a partnership? And if it's, I just need to find happiness in a partnership, you're probably going to take that third option of just ditch out right away when it gets tough. And I get that. And I've done that many times. But it's the level of growth that it takes to be willing to stay a little longer, to really close those loops, finish that karma that needs to be resolved mm -hmm. and get closure on everything. And then, um, you know, the, the tough catalyst of telling somebody that yeah. you don't want to be with them anymore yeah. in a yeah. loving way is also a huge catalyst. So it is, 
it's a question that comes up actually quite a lot mm. in 40U and people are always very appreciative to hear this conversation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What can you give an example of what you mean by closing a loop? Just off the top of your head like yeah. in a, you know, fictitious example of a relationship, what could closing a loop? What do you mean by that? Ultimately all I mean is forgiveness. Okay. Coming to true recompense with everything such that you don't harbor anything against this person. Yeah. A karmic tie would mean I still have something connecting me to you, whether positive karma or negative karma. Um, hatred, resentment, bitterness, grudges, those are all representations of a negative tie. So I may go this way and you may go that way, but in the quantum realm, we're still connected. Mm. We're still thinking about each other and pulling energy from each other. And so to sever that tie requires love and forgiveness. And so to me, that would look like um, whether just one or maybe even multiple conscious conversations with that person where you just let them know what um, you want to know that they have your forgiveness for. Like, I'm going to take responsibility for everything I've done. I'm sorry for the way I hurt you in the past and this way and that way. Um, I can't ask or make them say sorry to me. I can just forgive them in my heart. So mm -hmm. that even if they never said sorry to me, I've come to peace with that, right? Mm -hmm. That represents the fact that you've truly eliminated all those karmic ties. And again, that's the, the better option in the long run because you're setting yourself up in terms of law of attraction to be a quicker, more immediate match for what you really want to call in. The universe works like this, man. If it sees you have ties to other things, it won't let you have what you're asking yeah. for until you close those ties because you're just, you're vibrationally not a match to it yet. Mm -hmm. In this same scenario, say this person chooses option two and they're like, you know, I want to, I want to close these loops. I want to have these difficult conversations and their, their partner comes back and is sort of, you know, oh my gosh, I didn't know this was a make or break type of thing. You know, us being on some same spiritual path together. I didn't know you were going to leave me over this, right? Like mm -hmm. I can imagine that conversation happening that way versus the person that, you know, the, the husband that's just like, oh, you want to leave me? Oh, okay. Yeah, that sounds good. You know, they might, mm -hmm. they might be clinging to that relationship. They might be like, what do I need to do? Like, I didn't know you were going to leave me over this. If somebody is in that energy where they're like, no, you know, just don't leave me. Like, let's figure this out together. Um, <laughs> that makes it really difficult yeah. because then, then, e then any, you know, anything that they choose to do, like any sort of like, I'll, I'll read the books. I'll, I'll, I'll do, I'll go to the yeah. meditations. I'll watch these videos with you. Mm -hmm. Is that genuine? You yeah, know, yeah. You, you'll never really know. You might always wonder if it's genuine, but that's a really hard position for someone to be in. If their partner comes back and says, I'll do whatever you want. Like, I just want to be with you. Mm -hmm. I freaking love coffee. But five years ago, it did not love me. I noticed that after drinking it, my stomach would get acidic and upset. I'd feel on edge and I was still having regular acne breakouts. Even though it was organic, fair trade and quote high quality, it was still too acidic for my body and likely in the 92% of coffee that has microscopic mold on it. I thought I was gonna have to give up coffee for good. Then I discovered King Coffee and my life and health was changed forever. King is a combination of reishi spores and organic coffee. Not only is it roasty and delicious, but the reishi spores support just about every system in my body. 
cardiovascular, immune, endocrine. It's also antifungal, antibacterial, and yes, even antiparasitic. Chase and I have cleansed legit parasites with King. That may be TMI for you, but y'all, this is truly the world's healthiest coffee. If you want to ditch the jitters and enjoy the other incredible health benefits, you can learn more or purchase at themedicine.com forward slash coffee. That's the M-E-D-I-C-I-N.com forward slash coffee, or just check the show notes below for the direct link. You can always reach out to me with any questions. Happy sipping. And I'm not saying that couldn't be the catalyst for someone to get onto a spiritual path. It, it totally could, but I would lean, um, just through the wisdom of experience, I would lean to the other side of, if this person doesn't want it themselves, this isn't real and authentic. They're yeah. just afraid of losing me. Yeah. And so the second that I come back into the relationship, that, that habit is going to wear off for them because it's not genuine. And so, you know, maybe you choose to test that out. Maybe if you're like, you know, I would want to stay with this person if we were a match in these ways. And then you have that conversation with them and they say, oh no, like I didn't realize it was that bad. I do want to change. Like I'll start reading A Course in Miracles or whatever. <laughs> right. And you're like, okay, let's see if it's genuine. And so you may, you may take a couple months to see if it's really genuine. And it honestly wouldn't take long to know if it was genuine because yeah. they're going to be putting in that work themselves and you're going to yeah. find them reading it on their own. And I've, I've heard of many marriages like that where the woman comes to the man and says, I'm out. And he's like, what do I got to do? Yeah. And she's like, X, Y, Z. Yeah. And he's like, I'm on it. And he does it all yeah. and like really shows up in that way. So that, that can happen. And you've got to feel into that yourself. There's sure. no one size fits right. all. But usually way more often that person is just saying what they need to say to get you back because the ego doesn't like rejection. Yeah. And it'll do whatever to not feel rejected and, and stave that off. Um, so it takes a lot of discernment to read into that. Yeah, I think yeah. the the feminine representative in the relationship will know when it's not authentic because it will be yeah. repulsive. Mm -hmm. When we got divorced, there was a clear opportunity for me who had left Christianity to potentially step into this space of, I'm going to go back to church. I'm going to start a Christian practice. We're going to fix, because the, the, the difference in our religious views were uh, was an issue. Yeah. But it would have been one had I stepped into it um, that Megan almost would have sort of had to throw me a bone just, just for the, for the, the optics of it even. And so I really sat with this idea of like, I could probably keep this thing together if I just go balls out on Christianity, <laughs> but it was not authentic to me. Right. It was not real. I had left it and I was moving into another realm. It was very early in my spiritual journey. And I, Honestly, it was one of the best things that I ever could have done for my own life and then for our relationship because I think if I would have begged or if I would have done anything and everything that was out of authenticity to salvage the marriage, it would have been repulsive, potentially made it worse, and potentially closed any door to having a genuine connection like we've had you know, three years after we split up. Yeah, I think that that was the key. For us, that's the reason why we, we work now because there was this split without any expectation that we were going to work on our stuff individually and then come back together, right? Like we had no expectations of the other person. Like it was a split, never thought we were going to see each other again, did our own work individually and then 
the universe brought us back together organically and we were able to recognize in each other, holy shit, you've done a lot of work. Oh my God, you are this bright, shiny version of the person I married. Like, I'm so interested in you. Yeah. And we both felt that. And so it, it honestly made it very easy to come back together. Um, but if you are splitting up because you, you don't see eye to eye on, on this with, with the intention, like, okay, let's come back together and maybe it'll work out. That's, that's really tough. And you're almost better off having a clean split. And if you're meant to be together, like you're going to be together. Mm -hmm. Do you have any, and maybe Selena, you could, you could jump in here. Do you have any recommended language for the individual? And and we're just continuing to use, you know, the female um, representative in the relationship because that's oftentimes the one who picks up on, on these things first. But do you have any specific language for, let's say the, the wife or girlfriend who is not ready to, for a breakup or divorce, but is on fire for this spiritual journey that they've newly stepped into. And they would want nothing more than to en- enroll their, the person that they love the most in this journey. What sort of language is inviting um, and, and not threatening, which can often for some reason feel that way when you are a masculine or a male? Yeah, I think always just sharing straight from your heart and how you feel coming from a woman that's the best place to be and um, always making sure you are authentically honoring and accepting where your partner is, uh, where the masculine is in the relationship. Um, And if this is important to you and this is one of those make or break situations, they'll feel that wholeheartedly. And if you are being sincere and not threatening, as in like, Mm -hmm what outcome I'm expecting from this conversation is you to do what I want manipulation, <laughs> right? Yeah. Not the route you want right. to go. Right. Um, but just really holding nothing to what your desire is or not desire, but what outcome you want, but just freely sharing from your heart. Um, and then that gives them the space to decide what do I want to provide? Do I want to provide something for my partner out of love and devotion or do I want to continue with what I like to do and what I want to do and serve myself um and that is really just in a very inviting way to um invite your partner into Mm -hmm. your passion and into your life um yeah. And there's a million different avenues you can yeah. go yeah. with it depending on what your personality is and what your alignment is uh, with one another, your polarities. If, you know, if you're not very leaning, very masculine and very uh, feminine like Aaron and I are, maybe there's a different mixture of both. And that can be complex, but as long as you're authentic and sharing from the heart and honoring, um, you can't really miss it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Is there anything that you would add there, Aaron? Like, as a masculine, if you weren't a spiritual teacher and, it, you know, you didn't, you know, endeavor on this on your own and your your partner, your female partner was coming to you, like, what would you want to hear that might elicit something positive from you? If she were not on the on a path. If she, like if I she was. was and you weren't, what would you want to hear? Oh, what okay. would be helpful as the masculine to hear? <laughs> I know it's a bit like... I gotta like put myself in different shoes here. Yeah, yeah. This is different, like... What if I wasn't spiritual at all. Yeah. Right. I know <laughs> it's a tough yeah. one. Um, yeah, it's just been such an all consuming passion for me my whole life. So, um, 
the, so the masculine, I think more than anything, um, wants to feel respected in their decisions and things like this, like respect is how the masculine feels seen and like safety and protection and comfort is how the feminine feels seen in a relationship. So I think just good advice for women in general in any way they're communicating with their partner, um, a masculine oriented partner is to really show them how much you respect how they're living their life, where they are. You, you understand, you know, that they have their reasons. I'm not trying to fix you or improve you by suggesting this thing, but I'm really loving this and it's exciting for me. It's helping me grow. And I would love to share this with you type of thing mm -hmm. would be really great for a man to hear versus like, you know, you have an anger issue and you have, you have a temper issue. And I just think it'd be really helpful for you to do a little meditating yeah. type of approach <laughs> yeah. is going to feel like, Oh, you don't think I'm good enough. You think I'm uh, in, inefficient, uh, ineffective. That's how the, the masculine ego hears everything mm -hmm. is always a, a challenge to my sense of self. So, um, that's a tough one for women, right? To, who are so like more talking from their feelings about the issue versus the rationale is that feelings offend the masculine, uh, the unhealed masculine. So, it's not that a woman has to get into this logical analytical brain like a, like a guy is, but just to understand how he hears is that if he feels disrespected, he's shut you off and he will not hear anything else you say. Mm -hmm. um, that's the biggest you know piece of advice to keep in mind. Yeah. yeah, I think I think that that's great, and yeah, both of what you both contributed is 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 spot on. Yeah, I think you know Selena, what you said just totally nailed it. Where it's it's as simple as this: it's telling the truth and saying it authentically. And <laughs> and both men and women have a tendency to sabotage themselves in a way to almost soften the blow because they have an expectation that the answer is going to be no or hell no, or that their partner is going to be offended by the request. And if you can actually step into the space by by removing those expectations, you'll have a significantly, uh, you know, stronger likelihood of having a real conversation. I think our, mm -hmm. our inner victim creeps up in those conversations sometimes. And we slip into the, this, you make me feel this way. And this is why I have to go to this other realm to find a spiritual outlet. Yeah. Or we sabotage ourselves from having an opportunity to co-create with our partner because we're so afraid of what they, that they might say no. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so I think just really stepping into that container of vulnerability and authenticity and really communicating that I am someone who has a purpose and a dream and it's constantly, it's, it's organic and it's evolving. And now this spiritual path is a part of that dream. But guess what? You are a part of my dream as well. And I can't help but think that the integration of our relationship with spirituality is going to be something that that makes this dream of ours just ever more uh, beautiful and incredible. And, mm -hmm. and so I think there's so much opportunity to step into that space. Yeah. I just, I wanted to add to that too. Um, for people listening in this situation, I think one mistake that people make when they're on any sort of personal development, spiritual path is they can keep it like a secret from their partner where they might not let their partner know early on. Oh, like, I totally did. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and true. you know, just be honest. Like you said, like honesty is the best policy when you can present it with love. Um, and I think maybe we, you know, can keep our spiritual path or personal development a secret, almost like not ashamed of it, but for whatever reason, someone might keep a secret, right? From their, from their partner. So you might be watching these YouTube videos in secret, right? You might be, uh, well, I'm going to, you know, uh, 
be in membership of 4DU with my personal credit card and not tell my partner or whatever. Like we can hide this from our partner. And I think a better strategy from the beginning is to let your partner in on the fact that personal development is really important to you from the very beginning. And you don't know where that's going to go. You could, if you keep it a secret, you could get a year into this and be a completely different expression. Hopefully you are, right? If you're Mm -hmm. growing, be a completely different expression of yourself. And is that really fair to your partner to not let them in, to just give them a heads up that, hey, if, if if I sound different, if I seem different, it's because I'm committed to this journey and I would love to be committed with you in this journey. I'm not going to put that expectation on you, but if you see or hear me, you know, behaving differently, it's because I'm committed to an epic relationship with you. If you see me reading different books or listening to different videos, it's because I want to extract all the juice out of life. And this is what's lighting me up right now. You you keep it in your experience and you let them in very early on mm-hmm. so that they can be just and in that moment expect nothing of them so they're just aware so that they know that if you change little by little it's intentional and they can either be a part of it or not i think that that's a way to really soften the the potential blow of i'm growing and you're not you know Mm -hmm. is from the beginning be very honest Mm -hmm. it's like uncanny how many people we've had it's always been women uh, who are wanting to join 4DU, but they'll be like, I'm sorry, my husband won't let me because he doesn't agree with it or believe in it. And we'll read these emails and just be like, what a bigger red flag could you have in a relationship of like, I'm not, you're not allowed to invest in your growth mm-hmm. or like the, the, just the level of disrespect of like, well, I think that that thing is stupid. So I'm not going to let you join that thing because um, you're too stupid to know what's good for you. And luckily I know what's good for you. So I'm going to stop you. It's like so many red flags are happening in that exchange, but obviously this person isn't fully aware of that. So they're like, I'm going to respect my husband. And we're like, cool, no problem. We'll be here whenever. But on the other side of things, we're like, man, can you imagine me trying to tell you, you can't invest in something for your growth that you want to or anything that you're interested in. It's one thing if you're like, oh, our bank account's negative 500. We genuinely don't have the money, but let's get ourselves on our feet and let's prioritize saving up so you can do that thing. Right, right. Yeah. Yep. I've got one more question. Um, one that we get often and I I know that you'll, you guys will just crush this and I'm excited to hear it. (laughs) How does one manifest the relationship of their dreams. <laughs> How do you find your soul's match? That's so funny because one of the other common things that we do get in for you, um, opposite of, oh, I have a husband and blah, blah, blah. Oh, I'm single mm-hmm. and I so badly want to not be single. Yeah. Um, it's, you're almost skipping a few steps, you know? <laughs> Uh, talking about being in the now, there's something so precious and potent and beautiful of what this now moment is serving you or at least attempting to give you that opportunity. It's right in front of you. And um, a lot of the times we just look over of like, oh no, that distant thing. I I want that. And until I can have that, I'm going to be unfulfilled. I'm going to have a void. I'm going to be sad, um, jealous of, you know, all these different things will come up. So for, for me, before we met, um, I just had 
a whole season, a very long season of just pouring into myself and loving myself and filling all of my crevices that I had, um, that I felt wounded by, um, you know, the archetype of my family that I mentioned of what does love look like? I don't know exactly, but I'm going to try my best to give myself what I think that is. And basically just quote unquote, work on yourself, um, pour into what you want to be a match to. What does that look like? Like if you want to have a really successful um, partner who looks like this or does that, like, well, are you a match to that type of partner? What are you bringing to the table? And not, not in, you know, comparing and contrasting, but just pour into yourself to become the best you. And um, also get intentional with what you want to call in as a partner and just think of that person and get down to the nitty gritty details and just decide it. It's going to be so mm-hmm. that person is going to be in my timeline. Thank you, God. Love you. Bye. <laughs> ba- back to life. And just accept that. Try your best to gently release the longing and mm-hmm. the, oh, no, I, don't, I don't have it quite yet. No, I have it. It's mm-hmm. in my timeline. The now moment is calling me. And eventually that now moment of having my perfect partner, it's going to meet me in the right time. And I trust that. Love you. Bye. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's very much so what happened in my life, in my story, love story, out of nowhere, absolutely nowhere. Aaron, Aaron found me on Instagram. We had one mutual friend that we, neither of us have ever met before, but <laughs> one mutual follower. Insta friend. He found uh, one of my quote posts, not even one of my face, one with my face and followed me. One thing led to another conversations and, and here we are, but God knew what he was doing. It didn't require anything of me of doing, searching, doing all these different things, except honoring my own process and devoting myself to my own growth and releasing all attachments of the unknown. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the universe literally put her on my explore feed. You know, that's how hard I had to work to find her. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, cool quote, click, and then saw her bio, her picture and stuff. And I'm like, whoa, this is beautiful woman wrote this quote. And then right in the bio, Denver, Colorado. And I'm like, she wow. lives in my city. Yeah. Um, so that's how we, you know, initially met. And uh, it was, was like two or three weeks later that we actually started talking to each other on Instagram. But, um, all of that work we both put in up front to really work on ourselves is what made us a match to like, we weren't even trying to find anyone or each other. Uh, we just life put each other right in our own laps when the time was right. And that's because you got to make yourself the match to the person you want to attract. And so I go back to this one principle that we hammer in Ford university, which is that there is no such thing as lack. Lack is an illusion. Lack doesn't exist. Only what I do not give can ever be lacking. So lack is a giving problem. Hmm. And that's where the nuance is, is like, well, what does it mean to give what you want? Because if I want a romantic partner, a connection like that, how do I give myself a romantic connection? So you got to really drill down to the essence of what it is that you want. Overlook the symbols of your desires and look right to that core. It's like, what's the feeling about myself Hmm. that I want to have in a relationship? everything comes back to self-perception. The way you see yourself is the way you see everything. So how do I want to see myself? And the reason I want to have a relationship is because I want to see myself as loved 
connected, accepted, validated. And so the only reason I'm craving a romantic partner such that it's causing me suffering when I'm single is because I'm deeply not giving myself that level of love and acceptance. And so as she did for many years and as I did for many years going through relationships that um, just keep unraveling for those reasons, I was forced to confront that I was always so codependent on a relationship to feel good about myself because I truly was not loving myself. Truly wasn't. And so then it was, okay, how do I love myself in all of those ways that I want a partner to do it for me? And I got to this place where I was truly like fully happy and content being single, wasn't even looking for uh, dating at the time. And that was the moment. As soon as I became truly um, free of that need, I've got to be in a relationship. I'm always in pursuit of it or I'm in one, but that's it. I truly like dropped that lifestyle and was happy with myself and loved myself where I was. Mm -hmm. And then almost right away, within weeks, you know, she appears on my explore feed. And it's not to say that that's how it would happen for everybody, but the number one way to make yourself a match to a truly thriving, healthy, and beautiful relationship is make yourself the person you want to find, mm -hmm. give yourself the things you want to receive from another person, and then you'll truly be in a position to give those things yeah. to that person yeah. once yeah. you've given it to yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and what people don't understand, I think the reason why it happens for a lot of us, like almost instantly or within weeks, right? It was the same deal with Chase and I, for sure. We were both in a position, or at least I was where I was like, all right, no dating. I'm just going to pour into myself for who knows how long. Like, I, I want this. I deserve this. I need this for me. And then it was like weeks later that we were meeting up for coffee and, you know, opening that, that gate again. Um, but what people don't realize is that energy of wanting to pour into myself in a loving way is magnetic right. because when a person who is a potential partner is in your presence it's it's the opposite of repulsive because they're 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 showing you with their energy like hey I love my life and I am lit up by my own life I don't need anything from you yeah. I just you know I'm enjoying your your presence I'm enjoying our time together and that is magnetic you know people want that feeling they they want to be around that feeling someone who is you know stage 5 clinger is the opposite right where they're like <laughs> no I need someone I need someone I need someone that's actually repulsive even on a sub conscious level or or it's or it's an opportunity for a manipulator to step in yeah it's inviting yeah. manipulation yeah right? yeah so uh, it's so funny that it happens for people that way when you just release and you pour into yourself and you're you're creating a life that you are lit up by you're more likely to meet someone whose values are aligned if you're engaging in the things that you love you know you might just find someone right next to you, like kind of running in the same way, running in the same, um, in the same, in the, on the same path as you. And then you kind of look over and you're like, Hey, like, we're kind of like right here together. Like you want to do this thing, you mm -hmm. know, officially together. Yeah. That's kind of what it feels like. But you really have those two positions you just highlighted. You can be in the position of, um, I love my life, so I don't need you. Or you can be in the position of, I don't love my life, so I need you. Mm -hmm. And to somebody with a, an abandonment wound, a rejection wound, who needs to feel loved all the time or accepted all the time, they'll be very magnetized to that person who has the I need you energy. But what 
only the wisdom of experience can show you is that if they need you, they cannot love you because yeah. they're too busy surviving and trying to take mm. from you. Yep. And the person who says, I love my life, I don't need you, to a re- person with a rejection wound who's looking to be needed by someone will feel repulsed by that person. They're not, they're not a match to each other at all because yeah. they want to be needed. But again, what they don't have the awareness to see is, oh, this man or woman doesn't need me in their life because they're already happy. Well, then they have all the space in the world to actually love me mm. and grow with me. So as you grow, you start to see relationships and like people you're dating totally different in that you have this natural repugnancy to people that show up needy, but that used to be who you looked for subconsciously was yeah. the people that were the neediest. Now you can't stand it and you you get very attracted, like you said, or magnetized to those people who are like living their best life, super happy, not in a rush to date or meet someone. And you just find it mm-hmm. magnetizing because subconsciously your soul is, I think, understanding like, this is a genuine person I can grow with and, and be loved by and accepted by because they're, they're free, they're wide open, they're ready, they're willing. Whereas somebody who, who has all these wounds where they need to be in a relationship to feel okay, they have no space to love in that yeah. you know, arena. There's always like the journey of finding your super aligned partner. I mean, if you, if you think about it or if you're open to it, every partner you ever do receive is aligned to you in that moment yeah there is something in that relationship that is reflecting and i've had my own experiences and friends of course would reflect i only date assholes blah 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 blah. like yeah, there's yeah. no good men in the, yeah. in the world mm-hmm. well sis this is a mirror and yeah. you can choose like do I want to say yes to this relationship and yes to these red flags because I know there's something in them that is highlighting something in me and we could potentially polarize and work through this together or have the wisdom and intuition to see, okay, I'm sensing some red flags here. They're being brought to my life for some reason. I'm going to um, say thank you no to this relationship and then continue on my own path and pay more attention to what is calling to me to be healed or to look to be looked at and continue on your merry way down the line mm-hmm. to that yet another aligned man. Mm-hmm. Um, but you'll just be working through, you ha- would have already worked through those tough catalysts to maybe that person um, who you are looking for or who's waiting for you has already gone through those catalysts. And right now in this moment, you're not a match to them in the same frequency. Um, so always being in tune of like, what is God asking me to do? Where can I be more vulnerable and invite humility into myself so I can be the best match I could possibly be not only to myself and what my goals are for myself, but for my future love. Mm-hmm. I'll throw one more in as we close. Yeah. Um, This was another big one in terms of attracting the right match is this principle of like saying no to what you don't want is saying yes to what you do want. Mm -hmm. That's another big place people go wrong in the dating world, right? Is they're way too willing to entertain people that are, they know are not really a match, but it's like, well, let's just see. Because the the attention feels good, right? Yeah, the attention feels good or the ego feels like it's close to getting what it wants. So it's like, no, you need to have this attitude of like, if it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And that's because when you do that, you're sending a powerful message to the universe of what a match you are is that you're like, I'm literally not interested in what's not a match for me. 
And yeah. you can say all day to the universe, to God, like, I'm ready, God, for that next part. Please bring him, bring her to me. And you're still dating all these people that you know good and well are not fitting the description yeah. you're asking for. Um, that's just one, another way to totally shut the door in terms of law of attraction. Yeah, there's no space. Yeah, you're showing the universe I'm still not a match to what yeah. I want because I'm not making space for it. Yeah, yeah. that's such a so good point. Good. Yeah, absolutely. Your, your yes doesn't mean anything until your no means something. There you go. Yeah. 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 Thank Nailed you, Paul Check. Nailed it. <laughs> Guys, wow. Guys, what an incredible couple of hours of conversation. Such a uh, treat. As expected. I had expectations on this one. <laughs> well, I can't I can't let us close this pod before I say this to your audience, mm. if I may. Yeah. Um, you guys reflected to us that we're somebody that you look up to, but we have to we'd be remiss if we did not tell your audience just how much we value you guys as friends mm. for all that you bring to the table in this realm, especially of truly modeling conscious partnership. Mm. And we have conversations frequently where we'll be talking about what a conscious partnership looks like to us or whatever. And we'll reference Chase and Megan, you yeah. know, of like, <laughs> just like Chase and Megan, da, 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 da. And we notice ourselves doing that because you guys are just modeling it mm. so well. And I know your audience knows that if they watch you, but as um, people who are on the inside, close friends of yours, we hang out frequently. Um, you know, these people are who they are off camera and on camera. <laughs> and they're not just modeling what you're seeing on camera. They're really modeling it 24 seven. And that's why you guys bring us so much value to our lives. So mm. we are eternally mm. grateful as well for your friendship. Mm. We, we love you guys so much. And, and um, all of the language around manifesting partners, we've manifested some pretty incredible friends. Yeah. And, uh, it feels oh like, it feels like family. It is, I would like, I would fuck up the whole world to like protect you guys. As, you know, like I, I just feel so passionate about how, uh, how amazing uh, we've connected and, and um, it's just the beginning. It, it yeah, genuinely man. feels like, you know, uh, how many years ago, three years ago, three and a half years ago when we, you know, Chase was watching your videos, Aaron, and, and it was law of one. And I was like, Hey, this, this looks interesting. Can I watch with you? And uh, he was like, yeah, totally. And we sat down and then, you know, we interviewed you and the rest is history. And then, you know, um, becoming really close with Selena over the past few years, you're just like so dear to me. And I just, I just treasure you both and your, your friendship. And, you know, it, it does feel like a soul contract with yes. you guys. And I, I hope we are dear friends forever. When I got off that podcast, the first podcast we did in 2020, I think I literally went right to her and said like, babe, we've got to become best friends with this couple that I just did a pod she with. seriously did. Yeah. I was like, yeah. they're epic. Like, you're going to love so them. so funny. Yeah. I love when that's reflected both ways because I remember when Selena sent me a voice memo, the first voice memo on um, Instagram or something, you know, when we were just talking with you guys and I was like, oh, she sent me a voice memo. I was like it's super happening. excited. Like, I wonder if she's cool. <laughs> you know, and like it was, it became very clear that yes, you are very yeah. cool. Um, gosh, this love bubble is so great. And uh, cuddle puddle. Cuddle, cuddle puddle. puddle. <laughs> yes. Where can people go? Um, you know, life changing YouTube for me uh, and obviously for both for of us. Community, but, but where do you usually point people? Always YouTube. Cool. You know, that's where I started. YouTube.com slash Aaron Apke. Um, I'm really Aaron Abke anywhere. So like .com, at Aaron Abke, you'll, you'll find me on any platform. Um, but YouTube is for sure where you'll get the most gold. 
if you want to, you'll see his face on recordings, but if you want to interact with Aaron or myself, we have a free community within 4DU. Um, so you can go to 4duniversity.com um, and enroll in the free community. We also have our paid program there. Um, and free yeah. programs. Yes, and a lot of free, free programs. Yeah. So come enjoy it. Yeah. Awesome. Amazing. We'll have all those links, obviously, in the uh, show notes for you guys. Check them out. Honestly, if anything resonated um, here, absolutely. Uh, it, watching your channel, you know, years ago was absolutely life changing for both of us. It turned us on to the law, me to the law of one. And yeah, I cannot say enough good things. And these people are the real deal. They live what they teach. So absolutely. Highest compliment. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you guys for sharing your wisdom with us and our listeners. I know it really resonated. And thank you all to those of you listening and watching. We love you. We mean it. Go spread some light and we'll talk to you next time. Okay. Bye. <laughs> hey friend. Thanks for listening. Did you hear anything today that expanded your mind, made you laugh, touched your soul, or caused you to think differently about this topic? I hope so. I invite you to share this episode with someone you love. It takes 30 seconds and has the potential for a great ripple effect. Our world needs more people having real, honest, and open-minded dialogue on big topics. And you never know, you may just change their entire day. We love you and appreciate you being here with us. Cheers.